What's up, guys? This is your girl, Coco, and I have partnered with Element Lights to bring you all the equipment you need for 10% off if you use my code. A lot of you guys are into doing makeup, making YouTube videos, doing podcasts, and we use ring lights. So they have desktop ring lights, ring lights that stand up, tripods for your cameras, a tripod to hold your phone if that's what you're using to record. But whatever you use a ring light for, Element Lights has it. So go to www.elementlights.com and use KWC10 to receive 10% off of your order today. Don't miss out on it. Hey, what's up, guys? This is your girl, Coco, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Kiki and with Coco. If you are new to the show, let me tell you a little bit about it. Basically, it is about life in general with an emphasis on relationships, and I have my friends, guests, family come on the show, and we basically kiki about whatever the topic of the day is. And so this week, there is no guest because this is the final episode of 2020. I couldn't be more proud of myself for doing this and just super thankful and grateful for my friends, people that I literally linked up with on social media to uh, come on the show and kiki with me. And so because of you guys, you have, and of course y'all that are listening, y'all have made this show everything I have, I could have wished for. And so I'm just gonna go ahead and get into what this episode is about. And so this episode is basically just gonna be snippets of the highest listened to episodes this season or episodes like some of my favorite episodes and so we I'm gonna go ahead and get into it and the first part of the show is gonna be the drink with Coco. This drink was recommended by one of my best friends Andrea and so I'm going to go ahead and play this episode for you guys. Play a snippet of this episode for you guys. Of course. I am single and I am open to dating. I'm not necessarily dating right now, but I am open to it and I am 32. Um, next, I have Chastity. Chastity, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes. Hello, everyone. I'm Chaz. Uh, Coco just had me on a show a couple weeks ago, <laughs> but I am back again to kind of talk about another thing that I'm very, uh, very vocal about or just, you know, have a pretty uh, wide range of a, of a um, perspective on is, um, is relationships. So I am Chaz. I'm 31, um, originally from Chicago, and um, I am currently single, but I am not in the dating market right now. And I guess just a little bit about me and what I do um, professionally. I'm in corporate America. I'm in the automotive industry. And I also um, kind of dibble in, in some side businesses on the side um, from travel to real estate to um, investing. So that's just a little bit about me in a nutshell. 
Okay, and then next we have John. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself, give us some background, and what your relationship status is. Uh, I'm John. I'm from Chicago. I'm 34 years old, and I am currently single and dating. And that's not exclusive dating, right? You're not exclusively dating anyone. Correct. Okay. Drea? Uh, That was my favorite drink. And I think that is definitely a good drink when you trying to turn up with your friends. You know what I'm saying? Trying to start the night off. So try that drink. Let me know how y'all feel about it. Next, we going to go into the highest listen episode thus far. And that is episode one of Kiki and with Coco. And I say thank y'all for sticking with me because that episode was rough. But basically, that episode kind of just told, like, what my relationship history kind of was. And so, let me let y'all tune in. And I think both me and Lala can uh, agree to exiting relationships and, you know, just moving on to greater things. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true for me. Being in a relationship, I was married for about six years and... I feel like once I ended my marriage, I was in a rough patch. Like, I was just dating the wrong people. Um, However, I just think that it was a change in tide. I think the past two years, I've been so focused on being single and focusing on myself. And once I took the time to love myself, I tapped into my creative ability. My business expanded work. I excelled in my job and my career because I... I had a a feeling of self-worth. So, like, once I knew what I was worth, I wouldn't take any shortcuts. I wouldn't accept less than what I deserved. Facts. I, myself, have been married. Mine was not as long as hers, but (laughs) I had a a good year run. And uh, basically, once that marriage was over, like, same with me. I excelled at work. I doubled down with school, like, got so much closer to finishing my degree when it was all said and done, you know, ended up getting a promotion out of it because in the midst of me just trying to like grind at work and just take my mind off of what it was I was going through at home. Like I just doubled down and did what I had to do. And like I said, I got a promotion out of it. I ended up moving someplace new with that promotion and, you know, it was just super good to know, like, once I pour all that energy from my marriage into myself and realizing, like, you know, I needed to invest that time in myself, it was definitely, unfortunately, I had to go through what I went through to come to that realization, but um basically just pouring all that energy into myself was what um I think what pushed me to realize like self-love is just super important because at the end of the day I was just like you know all I have is me you know I don't have anybody else to depend on so if I pour all that energy into myself like it's just gonna reflect in everything that I do (laughs) 
Now, the next highest listened to episode, which was a really good episode, and I enjoyed Dub Cito when he came on and gave his perspective on life and its entanglements, uh, which was, which the conversation stemmed from the situation going on between Will Smith and Jada Pinkett at the time, and yeah, it I think it shed some light on their relationship, but I'm going to let y'all know what my thoughts were. So listen. I'm going to start by saying, I think they are covering something up still. And when they say we were broken up or we were, you know, separated, separated, um, that's why she was able to do her. uh, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I think that August, is a result of their open relationship. Facts, same. And, and August couldn't keep his little hot girl mouth shut. And um, <laughs> now they have to deal with this publicly. So I, I still believe that Will and Jada have this established life partnership, open relationship that they define that works for them. And it should have never been public because the public just ain't ready to handle that. And True. because of what just happened, I feel like their best way to save face was to say they were separated and that's how it went down. So then it looks like Jada didn't cheat or they don't have an open relationship or they're not swingers. This was just a bumpy part in their marriage. And then she went and did what she did. And then they reconciled their marriage. That looks better to everybody who thinks in a traditional sense of what marriage and love should be. Right. But the reality is, Will and Jada is not uh, traditional. They are not conventional. They are out the box. They are unorthodox. They are a life partnership. And they have navigated love in the public eye for over 25 years. And and I admire them for that. Like, they gave me so much uh, of a different look, you know, to, to for me to aspire to. Like, I want to I want. I still want a Will and Jada love. You probably seen the memes where they like, "Yo, J Cole, you still want that that Jada and Will love?" Yeah. And he like, nah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm different though. I do, and I want it even more now. Um, I always, you know, I've been reading between the lines between uh, their relationship for a while, and I don't. If you remember, um, a year and a half ago when they had their first Red Table talk, did you ever see that? Yeah, I saw the first one. And to me, that was that was amazing. Like I actually pulled my phone out and took notes on it because that's how interesting it was to me. But I literally wrote in my phone that you know they they were able to like tap dance around some things where they said they actually came out and said they weren't swingers, mm-hmm. but you know they didn't say they didn't have an open relationship. There was a point where you know she was like, even if I live on this side of the house and you got to live on that side of the house we going to still be in the same house and we going to make this work. Yeah. Like that was her to me alluding to the fact that they have been in situations where they do their own thing, but mm-hmm. they still love each other. They still raise a family. And to me, that was them admitting that they do have an open relationship. And now fast forward to August coming out. This is just proof. Right. But it works for them. It works for them. And, and so the, and he was collateral you know, damage. <laughs> August, yeah, August is collateral damage, right? And he 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 got emotional, mm-hmm. and he fell in love, and he got cut off, and and that's that. But to comment on the this other piece that everybody is saying, 
how sad Will looked. And I didn't notice it at first, but he did look sad. And so I started thinking, was Will sad because of what Jada did with August? My answer is no. I don't think that's the case because if they have an open relationship, then you are prepared for that. You know that she's doing something. Right. Whether you know about it specifically or not, you know that something is going on and you have given that blessing. This mm-hmm. is why August said he got the blessing. Um, what Will is mad about is the fact that he got to deal with this petty shit on the world stage because you couldn't control your hoe. Right, because they did talk about how everybody that made it their business and it ain't none of their business, but here we exactly. are. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that's, and that's why Will was like, oh, I'm going to get you back. And she was like, you already got me back, which that part was super interesting to me too because I feel like they were very uh, professional and, and like when they speak publicly, they, they've been doing it, right? They've been yeah, stars like for they a long got time, this so. shit down pat. They do, but when she said one thing, to me, it felt unpacked. When she was like, he was like, oh, I'm going to get you back. And, and she, she said, you like, already you did that. So I know Dub Cito did the majority of the talking in that little snippet, but his words were my exact thoughts about Will and Jada's situation. Um, I think that they definitely have an open relationship, but that was just the only way that they could put it to make it sound acceptable to everybody else. But now that we done kind of talked about life and its entanglements, we about to get into some interracial dating from a black woman's perspective, which I know y'all got some thoughts on that. So listen in. So I think black women get it worse than black men like and I and I probably feel that way just because I feel like it's been so much more common for black men today outside of their race and those type of comments I feel like come from black women who are bitter Mm -hmm. that um they've chosen to fall in love with somebody else and I I get the concept of feeling like you know, the good black men don't want the good black women. They want the white women. Um, Just speaking from a place of, you know, feeling like I would have been a better fit for somebody over a white woman, but just growing and maturing and understanding that that ain't it. You know what I'm saying? And that's all it is, growth and maturity, because like you said, that's just somebody being better to look at somebody else's relationship and being like, because the grass is not always green on the other side. Like, mm-hmm. I have looked at plenty of relationships like, he should have been with me. Blah, blah, blah. Even the past ones, because I ignore all the red flags, that don't have nothing to do with him being black. That just, I knew he wanted nothing when I got with him. Like, mm-hmm. but I still was madly in love with him. And that don't, that's not because he's black. It just didn't work out. Like, yeah me being with my husband, God forbid, it don't work out. I'm not going to be like, I knew I shouldn't have been with these white men. Like, <laughs> he is not all men. Mm-hmm. So it's not the end all be all. And not going to be like, these white men going to treat me so good. There's white men out there treating their wives just as good too. So, mm-hmm. and it's a white man that's, I mean, I've seen snaps. Mm-hmm. We saw Get Out. Like, I just, it can go either way in these relationships. And I don't think the skin color has anything to do with it that's just the mindset that has been placed on us for you and i know um but the reason i say black women i think get it harder mm-hmm. is i think the only only thing 
the only thing said about black men who date white women or women outside of their race is that, oh, he a traitor, you know, whatever, whatever. But then when black women date outside of their race, and don't let it be a white man because then you bring all those slavery connotations into the conversation like, oh, you ain't nothing but his bed wench, you know, stuff like that. And it's I feel like it's more hurtful things that I said. They do do say hurtful things, but I also feel like it becomes – at least in my eyes, when white uh, black men have commented on my relationship, I feel like it's more of a competition thing. Now, what can he do for you that we ain't doing it? I know he ain't doing it like we do it, blah, blah, blah. He ain't got this. And I just don't know why that was your mindset automatically. Like, mm-hmm. that's why are you worried about the sex that we have? <laughs> because, <laughs> and why is this a competition? I feel like that's what I have heard more of. And it's probably our people behind the scenes saying things more slavery related. Cause I know like Tia or Tamara Maori, some yeah. when she said, uh, people call her the white man's whore. I ain't never heard nothing like that. And I, for good reason, because <laughs> don't ever come at me with that. But cause no, no. So that was Alex's take on interracial dating because she was she is in an interracial marriage and I want to say congratulations because her and her hubby are having a baby so I definitely can't wait to see y'all baby in 2021 girl but now we're gonna move over into the so this was my first episode talking about sex like just full-fledged talking about sex i think i allude to sex a lot in my conversations but this one was solely about sex and sex drives so i think y'all can hear the uncomfortability in the conversation but listen i was not comfortable and and i actually asked the question on reddit like what amount, how often should people have sex or do they have sex? Not necessarily how often should they have sex. And of course, a lot of people were saying, you know, it's dependent upon the people in the relationship, you know, whatever. But a lot of the comments that I got was, you know, three to four times a week, one to six times a week. But a lot of people was really saying like as many times as possible, um, they can have sex, and uh, <laughs> so uh, so yeah, it was like two times a day. I'm like two times a day, <laughs> like okay, bruh. So, <laughs> okay, so don't judge me, okay? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm about to say like I'm also two times a day, probably three times a day. Like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so two to three times a day for me um, because like I think I enjoy sex but not the actual actual act but the build up to the act the foreplay the intimacy the whatever you guys do before the actual penetration I love it I just love it I love it so um, for me Two to three times a day isn't bad, but I would say two because I don't think I've met that man who matches up my sexual energy. So two would be fine. Two each day. And I'm a very, very, very lovable person. So even mm-hmm. when I say, let's just have sex once a day. And then he sees me 
and he wants to do it all over again. And if I like you, you just, you don't even need to say anything to me. Just point at me and I'm already really, I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to go. Yeah. So <laughs> it has a lot to do with the person, the other person um, you're in a relationship with. And if the sex is great, trust me, you would lose count. You would forget about how many times you'd be doing this in a day. So, um, for me, I think two is fine. Two is fine because you know, sex helps your relationship. So two, two is fine. Two is fine, except you're just both tired. Two a day. Yeah, two a day is fine. Okay, so for me, um, I think because the majority of the time I am single, so I'm not necessarily in a committed relationship or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So it's not like I'm getting sex regularly. So then it's just like, so then it's like when I do get it, it's typically on the weekends because, you know, people work during the week. And then, so then it's kind of just like, I'm good for maybe like once or twice a week if I'm getting it on a regular basis and that's like one or two times not in a day but like maybe friday night mm-hmm. and sunday mm-hmm. <laughs> count as the one yeah and the that's, two. I, I, I understand you and i agree with you um so i have all i'm also in that kind of situation where um i'm not actually in a committed relationship most times i'm single mm-hmm. and like you said which is true people work during the week so there's no time for that but um, when I am in a commentary relationship and when, well, probably I would see you during the weekend still. Um, mm-hmm. so when I see you during the weekend, oh, we're going to make up for during the week. We're going to make up for during the week, but I think it's still going to be like <laughs> twice, twice, four times that weekend, four times that weekend. I'm not four times that weekend. <laughs> four times that weekend, but I have to be crazy about you. I have to be very very crazy about you for it's mm-hmm. four times yeah if i'm not crazy yeah. about you i think like it will be it will be half of a round i will be like you know what just get up thank you, thank you. <laughs> like i thought i was gonna enjoy this but nah so yeah yeah i agree Mhm. yeah i think uh yeah for those people who aren't in committed relationships i think at a max, like when you just think about people's schedules, taking that into account, like weekends is probably like prime time. And then, you, mm-hmm. you know, if you really like that person, you can definitely get the the maximum amount out of them. And then if it's kind of just like just a hookup, then maybe not so much. So shout out to my homegirl, Diana, over in Nigeria. I appreciate you, girl, for being on that episode. I think you definitely made me feel comfortable talking about sex because if y'all noticed the um, the ums was a whole bunch, that let you know I was nervous. But now for the next episode, I had a panel of people come on the show and it was a group of my friends that were on the show kicking about, you know, relationships. So it's about five of us talking about this topic. And mirror, mirror, am I what I'm asking for? Am I looking at what I'm asking for? Basically saying like, you know, you asking for your man to be this. 
are you that for him or you know vice versa so let's get into it to me physical is important because you ain't gonna be able to stay with somebody if you're not sexually attracted to them um mm. on their good days and their bad days um mm. so That's... i don't know like y'all point of view on the physical <laughs> but if you don't really be if you don't sleep with this person for the rest of your life you can't be like oh well you know his dick ain't that with it or you know <laughs> that nature like <laughs> like that's important like, Next. okay I mean, so when it comes to y'all physical like what what's y'all deal breakers on that <laughs> well, wait a minute this is so important too not not just for the, the now i'm not saying yes yeah, yeah, so i'm not saying that looks are not important right Who, whoever i yeah. decide to be with I am going to be physically attracted, attracted to, to them. Correct. Yeah. But I just know I need to, along with that physical attraction, I need to be mentally stimulated as mm-hmm. well. Yep. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, I everything agree. needs to be yeah, all of that. I, I agree yeah. with you on the whole mentally stimulated. Man, that's, that's really big for me. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, 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 I've dated, you know, somebody that looks like they should be in a magazine a few times and that that don't that don't that usually don't do it for me probably dumb as right that. yeah it, it's, <laughs> it's not a it ain't it, a lot of the times it's it's not a whole lot going on upstairs and what i've come to find out is is that you know people that are like very attractive right like very mm-hmm. attractive people um you know over the long run you know it's hard to keep those people satisfied and happy, right? Mm. You you have a person that they got options. Just, you you I mean you they got they they can have options if they're single, yeah. but you yeah. have a person that when they been, date you you have a person that's been given preference since they were a very small child, right? Mm-hmm. And so that yeah. that that gives them a complex. Now not everybody that's very attractive is like that, but people who are very attractive, I think over the long call, it just, it, it's, it's a little bit harder to, to satisfy, you know, that person's ego, right. Mm-hmm. Or that person or that person's expectation. So, I mean, I mean, I'm, I still need to be attracted to you, but you know, you ain't got to look like you're supposed to be in a magazine. Right. Mm-hmm. But if I can have both, I mean, that'd be, you know, that'd be, the bomb I guess to like Dre's question I, I personally I don't I, the only I guess non-negotiable I have physically is like I couldn't I personally couldn't date a guy that was like huge like so there was so much more that went along with that conversation but you know, thank you to Chas, John, Drea, and Loretta for doing that episode with me. It was definitely enlightening to hear a male's perspective on the things that he considers important in a relationship. And now that we done kind of talked about what we think is important in a relationship, how about that casual dating status? How many of us out here are casually dating? And we wondering, like, you know, the double standard of, if men can do it, why can't women do it? So Latrice, Tierra, and myself about to talk about women being able to casually date. 
get to that point where you know it what it is that you want then you date that person but i feel like guys want women to go through an audition you gotta cook you gotta clean you gotta be bomb in the bedroom and all the while they texting five or six people they're doing their own thing if you're honest and you're up front i think that you should casually date it's like why if i meet a guy on saturday and we go on a couple dates and all of a sudden you can't do that fine dude walking down the street i can't shoot my shot no 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 i don't think it should work like that i feel like until you get to that point where you two are saying hey we're in a committed monogamous relationship then you should be free to do it and i just hate how the media does it they don't ever blast diddy i never hear diddy on the breakfast club like oh yeah diddy was spotted with a new chick this is fifth one this year but meg the stallion broke up with somebody she he was out enjoying life as a woman a young woman and all of a sudden they like oh she a hoe she just out here she getting passed around Houseway, like and she didn't even confirm it it's like as a woman you cannot go out with male friends and party yeah. and dance and enjoy yourself without being linked to them or being linked as a hoe my thing is too if if she was fucking all of them and so what I, me personally facts <laughs> Uh, personally, I am all for casual dating. Um, I am a serial casual dater. Sometimes not by choice, but that's just how it <laughs> end up happening. But I can appreciate being able to casually date because I feel that it's giving me an opportunity to see what it is that I actually like. What qualities is it that I like in a man? Now, do I casually date multiple people at a time no because i my mental i don't got the mental capacity for it uh it's it's a lot of work to juggle multiple people at a time so i definitely personally prefer to just talk to one person at a time then that way i can really focus on what it is i like about the person what it is i don't like about the person and what are the deal breakers with that person Um, So I feel casual dating is a must. As a 32-year-old woman, I can say I'm happy that I've had the opportunity to date as I have because at this point, I feel like whoever it is I end up with, it'll be the right circumstances. So, um, yeah, I... It'll be the right circumstances because you were allowed those opportunities to go through different like experiences and stuff. Like you said, to find out what you like, what you don't like. So you know what to put up with, what you can tolerate, what you're going to be like, nah, mm-mm, pack it up. Once you know that, then it's easier to have those long-lasting, strong relationships with somebody, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. <clears throat> I feel like, especially while you're young, like... I am personally no advocate for leaving your mama house and going to live with a man. I remember my mother being like, you know, we not going to condone you living with no man if you're not married, you know, whatever, whatever. But when I left home, I wasn't concerned about moving in with no man because in my head, I'm like... I just left her house. Now I can do what I want to do when I want to. Right. I ain't got nobody questioning me about where I'm going, who I'm with, when I'm coming back. So it was literally for me like it was freedom. And even though when you're in a relationship, you don't have to um, 
you you don't have to tell that person, you know, where you going, who you with, when you coming. Like, but it's a respect thing. You know Definitely. what I'm saying? And that was something that I did not want to deal with when I first left home. Like, I was like, I'm free. I could do what I want. So it was like when I got older and I did get into a relationship, like I was cool with being able to tell that person like, yeah, I'm going to the mall with my homegirls or we going out for drinks or whatever the case may be and be okay with that because I had that opportunity to casually date and do me and live my life without it being like I'm constantly needing to check in with somebody. But um, yeah, that... So casually dating, I feel like is a must for any any anybody. Men gonna do it regardless. So women, I just say don't be afraid to go out there and date, cause you owe it to yourself to do so. Like do whatever makes you happy. Now that we done kind of talked about casually dating. And when you casually dating, that don't mean you sleeping with everybody. And so now I'm going to get into this conversation with my homegirl, Melanie, about waiting until marriage. I know that is a very outdated outlook to look at the situation, but sometimes waiting until marriage is necessary. You know, made it okay for us to have premarital sex and Mm -hmm. all the stuff that you know, we, we do in today's society, but her, her perspective is, you know, waiting until marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, that's it. That really is it. <laughs> it, you know, it's funny that you're, um, that you said that because the truth is, um, even if you were raised with that mentality, you know, of course we veer, you know, we veer from it and, um, you know, like everybody makes mistakes and so the the goal at the beginning you know at at the time like when you're born your goal is to wait to have sex you know until you get married and you know just kind of like you know abstinence we preach abstinence but you know what I'm the the blog that I have it basically is for people who are abstinent but people who have chosen the path you know to be celibate and to start all over and so that's really, you know, what it's about and waiting for the right guy. Like, you know, stop dealing with losers. (laughs) 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 Pretty much. Yeah. So I have read your blog and it is Mm. definitely, I think, an inspiration. And I would recommend you guys to go and check it out, even if you don't subscribe to this ideology, but just to get a different perspective um, or to incorporate some of those things from what she's doing. And so um, one of the blogs that you wrote was titled Refuse the the Test Drive. Uh Uh-huh. So... Of course, refusing a test drive, you know, we all like to use that saying, you know, I need to test drive it before I buy it. You know, I need right. to test drive it off the lot first before mm-hmm. I, you know, decide <laughs> to get married. Um, so how did you come to this place where you wanted to refuse the test drive or has this just been like, you know, this is how you were raised and this is what you stuck with? Okay, well... So, um, as I was saying, you know, earlier, it's, it really, 
the intention was to, you know, be celibate and, and, and live this life of, you know, not, I mean, abstinent and live this life of, you know, no sex and all that stuff. But of course, you know, you go through things in life. Um, you know, knowing my story, I was married before and, um, in getting married, you know, I try to do all the things, you know, right. And then got married to this guy who, you know, three months in decided, you know, to cheat and go outside of our marriage. And so, um, with that said, it, you know, tore me down to the point where I was like, man, you know, I, I hate marriage. I hate love. I hate all this stuff. And I had to understand and kind of like change my perspective of what marriage was, but not just that, um, why I even got into this relationship in the first place. And the biggest thing was, oh, the premarital sex, <laughs> you know, the things that, you know, kind of drew me to him doing, doing the things backwards, I guess, you know, things that I was taught you know, to go one way, but I kind of veered off and started doing it backwards. And so I kind of got to the place where I was like, you know what, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, and I don't want to um, uh, go that direction because all it did was, you know, brought me grief. So mm -hmm. I decided that I'm not about to, um, you know, be giving myself just to any old body. And so that's really honestly where that concept came from. Um, I dated a guy who, you know, after, you know, being married and going through what I went through, I was like, okay, I'm ready to, you know, jump back in the, into the dating game and dated this guy who was like, you know, he believed everything opposite of what I believed in. And, but he was a great guy. He just wanted me to move in and, you know, let's, you know, um, you know, try, let's, let's play, you know, play Mary, you know, let's do all the things except, you know, having the, um, you know, the actual what is title it? of being me. Right. The title and the commitment. So mm -hmm. let's do all that. So, and I was like, yeah, I'm not for that. That just doesn't even like, that's not even fun for me. You, you want to just play around and that's not fun. And shortly after that, we broke up. Melanie's perspective was definitely needed to be added into the conversation because I think we put so much emphasis on we need to test drive it that we are not focusing on the other areas of our building those parts of our relationships like the spiritual, the emotional aspect of it because we so caught up in the physical part of it. And so I thank her for coming and, you know, talking about waiting until marriage with me and now we want to move into a another topic that I think has hit us really hard during this trying year of you know just a trying year of struggle not only are we in a pandemic but we also had police brutality play a role in the mental aspects of what we've been going through throughout this past year. So just a fair warning that the following clip is going to be a bit emotional. Grown calling for your mother. It's over. Mm -hmm. That's the tap out. That's the ultimate tap out, you know? So what are your thoughts? Like, did you hear him call out for his mother? I did. And I heard him you know, how loud he couldn't breathe, his stomach, you know, his stomach was hurting. Um, and it's unfortunate. I, 
I just don't understand how somebody like you're in a position to protect and serve, but in this instance, you didn't protect nor serve nobody but yourself. And the protect part is not even a part of that equation because he did not have a weapon. He was not being um, irate or out of control. So what was the reason for this act of violence? You know, for this level of violence, like it wasn't caused for. And it, like it's hurtful because it's just like, that could be any of us. Yeah. That, that could be any of us. But if I, if I may kind of elaborate on the whole thought process, mm-hmm. may I? Yes, you may. Um, so I want you to think about something. You know, because when we, when we yell, all lives matter, what does that mean? When I say we, I'm talking about we as a people. But when we specifically say Black Lives Matter, we're talking about a specific group of people that are being killed off, right? hmm But when people say, no, but all lives matter. Like, but we're talking about Black people right now. Mm-hmm. So stop trying to dilute what, we're, what, what is being said. Right, right. But I want you to think about the same people who say all lives matter, okay? Because these are the same people that hunt animals for fun. Mm -hmm. They hunt animals for fun. When he was sitting down there with his knee on George Floyd, it reminded me of how they sit down on a knee and they like kneel on deer after they kill them. And like, they might eat that meat, but they're doing it for sport. Like they can go another Mm -hmm. way of getting meat, but you know what I mean? Sometimes they go out there and they do it just for sport. You got some of the rich people who have the money to go to Africa and poach uh, animals like lions and things of that nature to come back and mount on their walls. Mm-hmm. So w- when they see when when they see black people, they don't see black people as human. They see them as animals. Mm-hmm. So they'll be better off saying all humans matter, but that still don't even that still ain't even accurate. That still don't encompass black people. That's what I'm saying, though. And if you go back to the Constitution, when the Constitution was originally made, Black people weren't even considered as men. They were considered property. So that was, to listen back to that episode brought so many emotions from when the George Floyd incident originally happened. But I want to bring us back up, get us a little bit more joyous. So I will say this is like one of my favorite episodes. It has my, I call her my little sister, but Ty, she is a YouTuber. And I'm just going to keep saying it until she posts new videos. But we talking about the show Insecure. And if y'all watch it, this we basically was giving feedback on this last season that we had, that, that they gave us. You know, recap of each episode individually, which I honestly think we can do each episode individually just because they are so short. And overall, the conversation is going to kind of like gel together. Yeah. So in the first episode, low-key feeling myself, Issa is working with Condola, 
And for those of you who don't know who Condola is, Condola is um, an event planner who brings people together. Mm-hmm. And um, for Issa's birthday, they take her to see a uh, who is it? A Bruce? Is it Bruce Lee? Not Bruce Lee. It's some karate karate type. <laughs> a movie that she really really liked and Mm -hmm. it's like a outdoor event like kind of like a drive-in but it's not a drive-in it's like people are on the lines they have the projector up and Mm -hmm. all these black people are here to and it's not just black people yeah it, it was just black people but they were there to watch this movie and Issa was like you know, this was a really good event. You know, I'm trying to do a black party. You know, maybe we should link, whatever, whatever. Yeah. So Condola agrees to, you know, helping out. It sounds like a good idea, you know, whatever. But in the midst of all of this, they find out that Condola is not only a event planner, but mm-hmm. he is Lawrence's new love interest. <laughs> <laughs> Of course she is. Um, And also, we have to talk about Molly. Uh, Molly is, if you watched season three, Molly meets Andrew at Coachella in a Mm -hmm. Molly-induced, a Molly the drug-induced type situation. (laughs) I was like, they ain't going to get that. (laughs) she meets him at the Coachella last season. And so in this season, she's trying to figure out if there could be more with Andrew. Mm-hmm. So my thoughts on the first episode, I thought, well, of course I was pressed to see it, but I think it was a good opener to know, yeah. you know, Issa is really following through with doing the block party. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she meets somebody that kind of knows how to plan something on this grand of a scale. And I think another thing that needs to be like highlighted that makes the situation a little suckier is that the fact that not only like is she a good event planner, but they actually like liked each other on yeah, a friendship yeah. level. Like they were bonding a little bit. And like, you know how when you first meet another black girl and you're like, oh, okay, we on the same, on the same type tip. Yeah, like, okay, we got to be friends. Like in your head, like we got to be friends. I'm not about to put it out there, but I know we got to be friends. Yeah, and that's basically how they was like linking up, and they semi in the same profession too. So, just sucked. Yeah, I was definitely, you know, like, damn, Lawrence, why you had to come fuck this up? <laughs> Now that we have, you know, lifted our spirits some and talked about the show Insecure, we got to hear like episode one and what we thought about it. So definitely, if you've not listened to that episode, tune in so you can hear the rest of the overview. And now I want to, now I'm going to speak to one of my favorite couples ever, and that is Ebony and Jeremy you know the business aspect of it so do y'all want to talk about the you know working relationship that y'all have as well the most difficult 
aspect <laughs> of business and marriage. Mm-hmm. It's, that's difficult. I mean, it's really, really hard. I mean, especially to start, like, if we had a really, really hard time with separating our business and personal life. I mean, even in, in terms of our relationship, it was difficult for us to say, okay, we're co-workers now. And then, you know, when, when six o'clock, seven o'clock came, okay, now we're husband and wife. So it was really difficult for us to take off that, that hat. Cause like you said, when we initially started, um, we were doing it, you know, essentially from our home, but on the first level of our home. Yeah. And so even though there's a separation, there was no separation. And so it's like, we would always bring business upstairs. I mean, and then we got to a place where we started to respect those boundaries. Those started to institute those boundaries um, where we say, okay, let's leave business downstairs. We're, we're going upstairs. We're husband and wife again. And um, I mean, we eventually figured it out, but it took a lot of hard work, a lot of grace and mercy for each other. <laughs> um, a lot of accepting, a lot of forgiving, because sometimes we would say things that weren't so weren't so nice. <laughs> I mean, it would be business conversations, but we would say things that weren't so nice, though. And so um, it, it took a lot of it took a lot of hard work. So, out from the outside looking in, I would definitely say that um, to me, you guys definitely did not portray the you know that part of y'all's relationship at one <laughs> very professional like of course everybody knew who jeremy was in the salon you know but um you couldn't tell if y'all was having a riff or whatever um and just you know feeling like i know you can't compare you know yourself to anybody else but i definitely looked up to you guys as far as like relationships go and Eb, you know how I used to come in there like oh these dudes they crazy <laughs> like they so raggedy you know whatever and it would just be like you know I definitely admire you all's relationship and commitment to each other um right. that's definitely something that stood out to me about you guys is that um I I, I honestly and truly believe you allow Ebony to follow you and you exemplified something that she was able to follow. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're most definitely right. You know, in terms of our commitment and I think firstly, you know, for me, um, I really, like I said, I had to commit myself to Christ before I could ever be, you know, the man that, um, that Ebony needed me to be. I had to be the man that God was calling me to be, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. because otherwise I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't have made it. There's no way we would be, how many years in the game now? Seven, seven years in the game now, you know, married, I didn't first recommit my life to, um, to the Lord. And I think it's definitely paid dividends. And and it's not to say that it hasn't come with these challenges. I mean, marriage, marriage is hard work, man. (laughs) Like no no matter what it's like, it's hard work. And people, I guess people like to glamorize it and make it so pretty. And, you know, you have big elaborate weddings and, you know, these big elaborate engagements but those things, man, those are only like temporary moments and you have the rest of that marriage, rest of your life um, to work through it. So um, it's come with its challenges. But, you know, the one thing is that we've always remained committed um, to the Lord first and foremost. And then that's allowed us to be committed to each other. Definitely. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it was like Jeremy said, it was challenging um, in the beginning. It was challenging in the very beginning. Um, and 
it didn't get easy for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, learning your roles and responsibilities. Um, first of all, let's just say we already um, recorded that we we got we got engaged in nine months. We got married three months after that. <laughs> yeah. So we, did, we weren't engaged <laughs> for a very long time. So now here we only known each other for thirteen months, and we're married. We're living together. Um, he's in his career. I'm in my career. Um, one year later. Jeremy decides that, you know, the military, he's going to separate from the military. And immediately we buy a house and start a business at the same time. So in less than two years, we made taken some big, big, big um, steps to, of commitment, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were, and then we were leaders at the church. Yeah. So we had a lot on like we had a lot on our plate so how things would have looked had we would have done the um steps according to society you know you you be you get engaged you you stay engaged for a year you you know y'all get married so forth and so on but trying to get to know each other while doing business together i didn't i only knew him as jeremy because we never worked together yeah so for us to join in i'm a creative and he is structured. very structured. So you have, I'm like, I'm a zigzag and he's like a straight line. I'm always all over the place, always on to the next, what's new. And it was, it was very challenging because it's worked for me this way for so long. And for him, he's led people and it worked for him mm-hmm. that way for so long in his career. Learning and, res- learning and respecting each other in um in each other's place like you know that was very very challenging i didn't know what he was used to because i didn't know anything about the military so mm-hmm. here i am not addressing it, the situations as such when he is an expert in it or he knows about business like i'm great at doing hair but not knowing a lot in the sense about business and so it was really challenging um, because I just want to create, I just want to have a good time. And he's like, we can't always be playing around. Like <laughs> we got, you know, there's lawsuits, there's all kind of legal things, you know? And so, um, just really trying to, trying to, the two to trying to become one outside of marriage. So we're doing, we're doing business more than we're doing husband and wife. Mm-hmm. You know, we were more in ministry. In ministry. So you know, ministry was all the time. It didn't matter if whoever called, day, night, afternoon, in the shop, whomever. That's ministry and that's business. And so when we finished work at 7, 8 o'clock at night, we got an hour or two to be husband and wife and then turn right back around and do it all over again. Mm-hmm. So the lines of communication was, was hard to, um, they were very blurry because we didn't, we didn't have time to just grow as husband and wife. <laughs> So y'all heard from my favorite couple, Ebony and Jeremy, and what we just heard was basically them explaining like the beginning parts of their marriage and how they navigated having a business together and being husband and wife. And I already know being husband and wife is hard enough. I already know how I feel about the people I work with and to basically combine the two more power to them and I'm just super happy and grateful to have them in my life and know that 
they know how to work it out. They're going to pray for you and everything else, and I'm here for it. Now that we done kind of talked about some working relationships within a marriage, I know there are a lot of single people who listen to this episode, and so there are also people out there that want to be sugar babies. So I had a sugar baby coach come on the show and give us tips on how to get a sugar daddy or a sugar mama, even though her expertise is, you know, her experiences with sugar daddies, but I'm sure the same applies for you guys that are looking for sugar mamas. Did you, so in college, well, I don't think you were struggling, like as an athlete, y'all are pretty much taken care of. Yeah, see, so that's, and that's so, okay, that's a great question, and we can clarify that now. Like, I've never, like, lived off of a sugar daddy's money, so, like, I get lots of questions and comments, especially on TikTok and YouTube, like, oh, my God, I need money so bad, oh, my God, I need um, a sugar daddy to pay for my tuition, oh, my God, I have all these student loans, oh, my God, I'm fixing to be um, homeless, like, whatever, that's not what sugar daddies are interested in they don't care about that they want a young pretty put together female that they can spoil yeah like and by spoil you don't even want to use the term spoil anymore because that'll get you banned from sites now but like they don't want somebody who they have to give a life to mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying they want somebody who already have their life together so like for me yes i was on a full ride so i literally had like a check coming every um semester just of spending money yeah. So, like, literally for me, it was just for fun. Like, it yeah. was like the thrill of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm like, um, and and the easiness of it. Like, me and my friends going on on di- not dinner dates, lunch dates, and dinner dates for five hundred dollars. Yeah. I'm sitting at, at Panera Bread with you in St. John's Town Center for five hundred dollars. Why yeah. wouldn't I keep going <laughs> on dates? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's the thing that people don't understand when people always be like, "Do I have to give sugar?" away do i have to do i have to do this do i have to do that one i need you to understand that you don't have to do anything that's going to make you in make you feel uncomfortable with any man ever okay second of all people don't understand that men have insecurities every man has insecurities and you have to understand the depth of these men that are on these sites so seeking arrangement for example i'm not sure what the fee for the men is now but i know at a time it was a minimal of 80 dollars for men to just have access to see the sugar babies on the site yeah. versus for women, it's free. Yeah. So you got, you're dealing with men who are paying $80 minimum a month mm-hmm. to look at girls and, and try to spend money on girls, or I guess in some case have sex with girls for yeah. money. You have to truly think from, once again, I'm always thinking from a business and technical perspective. Mm-hmm. What are these people going through in their life that drew them to spending 80 to 100 dollars a month on a membership to look at women that they might still never meet yeah so the fact that you even question what you allow or what you're comfortable with or or you think that you have to do something like that'll make you uncomfortable just to get this type of man you going at this shit all the wrong way you're the one that's in control from the beginning you know what I'm saying? And that's what I try to teach girls. It's like, you are the, you're the prize. They try to make it seem like they're the prize because they're the ones that's going to give you money or they give you a car or they give you this or they give you that. Like, they have to do that for your attention. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
so like that's the thing that like I don't even remember what the question was but like that that's like the basis like people don't understand like sugaring it all like one thing they that I have answered I know at least three times this week and I um mentioned all the time within the sugar baby group that I have so I have a group me chat okay is like a lot of girls are asked like um should I what should I say to this or how should I react to this and it'll be something super inappropriate right just stupid okay but say they say something inappropriate right yeah now if you talking to a guy say you meet a guy at the store or whatever and you give him your number y'all talking and then he say some off the wall shit to you right some some inappropriate shit your natural reaction is either gonna be you're gonna go off mm-hmm. you're gonna block him or you're not gonna text back right so when a sugar daddy does it sugar daddy in parentheses mm-hmm. say that again i said i'm going for no text i didn't hear now for alex <laughs> You, you you feel me? You're never yeah. talking to me again. You're getting blocked, boo. It's going to turn green when you text me, okay? Right. <laughs> so, like, you know, so, like, if, if, if that happens, that's how you're going to react. Yeah, Dash definitely was dropping gems that episode as far as letting us know what, what steps to take when you're trying to become a sugar baby and the whole giving sugar. I know, because that's a question I have had before. Like, am I going to have to give something up to get something from them? But I think it just normal rules. If it's something you don't feel comfortable with doing, then guess what, boo? You do not have to do that. So if that's what you want, go ahead, listen to the rest of that episode so you can hear everything. And that is going to wrap it up for this season's highest listened to episodes and of course my favorite episodes this season it was definitely a great year I never thought in a million years that I would have 42 episodes done you know just from diligently working like there were times where I felt tired when I had school work to get done but because this is what I feel passionate about this is what I enjoyed doing it didn't feel like work and I didn't mind staying up hella late to get it done or waking up hella early to make sure the episode was ready for y'all to listen to so I appreciate the continuous support You know, if you love my show, you want to tell people about it, please do. Let me get these listeners and these followers up, guys. So, you know, I didn't post any of the letters because I did have some letters this season. And I started reading letters just submitted to other people for advice because, Y'all may feel it's too close for comfort for me to know y'all business, and that's okay. But when y'all feel comfortable, y'all can email me or DM me. My email is attached to my Instagram, so if you hit the email, it will come to me. But my email is keykingwithcocopod at gmail.com. I also have my I'm Black 2580 shirts and you have literally, I think once this airs, you'll have one day to get the end of year sale, which is given, I believe, 40% off. So go ahead, get your I'm Black 2580 shirt. 
And also, I kept, I keep saying, you know, I have some stuff going on, you know, that's going to drop at the beginning of the year, but I'm going to go ahead and say it now. This month, well, in January, in the month of January, I am going to launch my shot glasses to go along with my Drink With Coco segment, and they say Drink With Coco. So now, not only can my black listeners, you know, support me, but everybody can support me now. Everybody like taking shots. Everybody collects shot glasses. So get your shot glasses. They will be on the website in in a couple like maybe two weeks at the most but um go ahead get that and then as always i appreciate you guys support i appreciate y'all listening and i will see you guys next year